Whether I'm in Aruba swimming in the ocean or in Sweden walking the chilly fall streets, my skin can always use a boost of moisturizing nourishment. That is why I use Kapari's beauty line of products made from 100% organic coconut oil. Kapari makes multitasking skincare and body care products that are free from sulfates, silicones, GMOs, or parabens. Their lightweight sheer oil works great as a face moisturizer and a makeup primer. The coconut balm with aloe is intensely soothing, and their coconut body glow lets you keep that summer shimmer going well into fall. For head-to-toe hydration with a beach smell that won't quit, nothing beats Kopari's Organic Coconut Melt, the ultimate multitasker and my favorite addition to my nightly ritual. With Kopari, you'll feel like sweet summertime never left. Kopari's coconut oil is the highest quality. The aroma is light, texture is totally smooth, and you can apply it everywhere, knowing that you're giving your body safe, pure nourishment. Say aloha to the best skin and hair of your life with Kopari. Go to koparibeauty.com slash yoga to get 20% off of your first order. That's kopari, K-O-P-A-R-I, beauty.com slash yoga for 20% off. Koparibeauty.com slash yoga. Hi, and welcome to another episode of From the Heart Conversations with Yoga Girl. Today, I have a super amazing guest on the show joining me from afar, Trevor Hall. If you don't know Trevor already, although chances are you probably do, he is a singer-songwriter, a roots folk and reggae artist, guitarist, and may I say so myself, an absolute poet. What this man creates with his writing and guitar is nothing short of magical. Working alongside amazing artists like Jimmy Cliff, The Wailers, Ziggy Marley, and more, he's had several successful albums, but is now releasing his very first independent album, The Fruitful Darkness. Welcome to the show, Trevor! (laughs) Thank you. Thanks for having me. Can you tell how excited I am to have you on the show? (laughs) Yeah, that, I don't know if I can live up to that introduction. <laughs> I, I, I think you already have. So I have um, I have a long history with your music, actually, mm. which is which is uh, it's it's deeply personal and really exciting for me to to have you as a guest. The very first yoga class that I ever taught, which is I don't know ten years ago now, I played one of your really early songs in Shavasana. Mm. What song was that? lullaby oh yeah that's like super old school you went back i went back i don't even know how i connected with with your music but it was yeah i have this big like when i think back of my first kind of proper class that i ever taught with people and music and then i chose that song for shavasana and it was really for me at least a big step into what would become my purpose and my my passion so without knowing you have a a big piece in that Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, I want to start and kind of journey back. So speaking of, of you know, purpose mm. and, and, and passion, mm. was music something that was, has it been ingrained in you since you were little? How did that path start out? Yeah, well, my dad is a musician. My dad is a drummer. Um, so growing up, like, there's pictures of me, like, in my diaper, like, <laughs> you know, playing the <laughs> drums and stuff. Um, but music was, you know, it was definitely there from the very, very beginning. Um, and I remember like as a, as a child, like some of my, really some of my childhood memories, my dad had this big, um, like record collection in the hallway. And as a kid, I would just like, 
you know, kind of explore through the collection and um, I'd pull out a record and that looked cool, you know, and I'd like put it on the record machine and I'd just pretend to like, then I'd go out in the living room and pretend I was like, you know, playing the song like with my air guitar and stuff. (laughs) But so so I definitely had this like weird, like, um, like, I don't know, just like from very, very early this just kind of inclination to perform and play but I didn't I never really like it's interesting and people I say this to people sometimes they think this is weird but I I never was like you know I want to be a musician you know or I never was like aspiring to like you know release albums and all this stuff It, it was music was just like life for me and um it was, you know, ever since I was a kid, it was my way of um, expressing myself, and it was like medicine for me, and it still is now, you know. So I wasn't really thinking of it as, oh, I want to, like, do this for my life, you know. It just kind of happened, you know. I just started writing songs, and then I remember for my 16th birthday, my dad surprised me and like brought me to his friend's studio and I got to like you know record songs for the first time but even then you know I was just doing it because it was what I loved to do it wasn't because like this is what I see myself doing in my life um so I was just kind of following my heart you know following my heart following my heart still I'm following my trying to follow my heart you know Mm -hmm. and that's just kind of how it all started in the early days you know it's just from just from my my dad and um and yeah so beautiful are you still is he still um an inspiration to you your dad oh my god yeah he's we call him the jammer that's his nickname and (laughs) he's more of a rock star than me like he he like loves to get on stage we bring him up on stage you know if he's in this if he comes to some shows he gets on stage and he sings and he plays you know the drums and the crowd just like they cheer louder for him than for me it makes me (laughs) (laughs) but he's he's just he plays like even at home you know he's like he's like a little over 60 i think he's like 62 63 but every week he like plays at the local like beach club and um he's got his friends you know where i grew up where they all play together out so he's he's such a rock star that's that's so amazing to to hear. Yeah. So the the local beach club because you're from South Carolina, right? Yeah, yeah. But from South you're Carolina. an island island boy. I didn't know that there were that there was yeah. a beach vibe kind of in, in South Carolina. Okay, I'm not American. I'm I'm Swedish, and I'm not super great with geography. But no, no, it's fine. <laughs> well, it's fine because even even when up? people when I tell people I'm from South Carolina, they like really you know because. Like you said, I grew up on an island, which is all the way at the bottom of South Carolina. So it's not so much like, I guess, I think when maybe people think South Carolina, they think like Southern and like, I don't know, you know what I'm saying? This was, it was more of a resorty type of tropical um, kind of upbringing. Um, so, and I think that's where the, I think that's where like my influence of like, kind of like reggae music and, you know, surf music, cause I w- grew up surfing on the island. So that type of acoustic kind of 
surfer music, reggae music. Um, I think that's where I kind of got my influence from, from that in that way. That's that's amazing. Yeah, that's not what you associate South Carolina, or at least for yeah. me, up until now. <laughs> I, I live in Aruba, so here <laughs> we have that beach oh, vibe yeah. too, but it's definitely Beautiful. different, I can imagine. But yeah. I think it's so interesting the way you, you just shared a moment ago, so um, th that this was not a career path for you. It wasn't mm -hmm. something that you had in your mind as, okay, I'm, mm -hmm. I'm going to do this when I grow up, or I'm going to make this, a, you know, make a living out of this, or you right. know, become a superstar. Um, it's just, there's a really different energy to that, I, I right. find. How yeah, do you, well, how, I, do you think, think? I think even now, you know, like I said, um, I mean, you know, obviously things have changed a little bit now, you know, because you you grow up and you realize you have to make money and um, support your family and this type of thing, but it's still very much the same. You know, music is a medicine for me and I need it. I need it so badly to to live, you know. I need it to soothe my heart and my brain and my body, you know. I I need it to talk to, you know, the spirit, you know. That's it's like my telephone, you know. So it's it goes way beyond just a career. Um, so even if I wasn't publicly performing, I would still be doing it every day because it's it it's it's the thing that helps me um connect you know it's like my life breath music mm. so it's very it's it's different in that way it's not so much trying to become a star although i'm blessed to be able to do this you know for a living um but the intention it goes much deeper than you know doing it for a living It goes much deeper than that. Yes. And even though, because I know yoga and meditation is also a big part of, um, yeah, of your lifestyle and of, of mm. also how you connect that with your music. Was mm. that the case even when you were that young, when you were 16? Or was that something that you were able to connect with at a later stage? Uh, it was a little later, like when I was younger. Um, you know, I grew up on this island, but I grew up in kind of like a little bit of a close-minded uh, community. Um, I went to a prep school, you know, I had to wear dress code, this type of thing. Um, you know, the, the island is very like, it's very touristy, so it's like very popular with golf and like tennis, and everybody's kind of doing the same thing. Not so much, not, it's not so so much focused on the arts, you know. Um, so growing up there, music was, uh, I, I wasn't into so much into yoga at that time. I was, I was more into like punk rock, you know, because mm -hmm. I wanted to be different. I wanted to break out. I, I, I knew that this wasn't, you know, the only way to live, you know, I wanted to be free. And growing up, you know, you know, when you're 15 or 16, you hear this punk rock music, you know, and you see these people, these bands that are jumping around, and it, it that represented kind of freedom for me, you know. So I was very much into, like, the punk rock stage. Um, and then something happened where, I, I, I don't know what happened, but I went through a change. I started surfing more. I started... Um, being out in the ocean, outside, and 
um, that became this kind of spiritual connection, you know. And at that time, you know, like Jack Johnson had just kind of come out with his big album, and Ben Harper was, these are the people that I really looked up to. And they started to represent that freedom in a different way, you know, with being in the earth and and making this music and giving back to the earth and fighting for a cause. And those things started to inspire me. And that kind of started started my, I think, my music, my my musical style changed into more of a spiritual conversation rather than this punk rock, which can also be obviously very spiritual, but um, it started to change at that point. And that's when I started getting into yoga a little more, getting into meditation and surfing, and the music kind of took a, a different attitude at that point. I can see that a little more... Maybe a little more gentle than the the punk rock. Yeah, scene. yeah. Although I still love to listen to some of those old albums, which is so good. <laughs> but I think it's so it's so special because I feel like you really have. Um, if you ask anyone specifically within the yoga community, and I think the mm. yoga teaching community, uh, I don't know a single yoga teacher that doesn't have a special place in their heart for Trevor Hall. Like really, oh, that's really. Sweet. Around the studio here, I, I have a studio here in Aruba, and I said, "Oh, I'm going to have Trevor Hall on the podcast." Everyone started freaking out. Oh my god! And they had so oh. many questions that, oh, that's because so we, cool. we really, that's cool. <laughs> but we play your music every day, and it's it's uh, for me lyrics is such a big piece of of the music mm. that I chose to play in yoga class. Also for um, connecting to a deeper level of emotional healing and being able to really mm. ground and, and settle, and you do that so. Well, mm. so, I so well. It. I don't feel like it's me, you know. I feel like, like I said, it's I'm I'm playing what I'm hearing, you know. I'm playing what I'm hearing. I'm listen. I'm a listener too, you know. So these things come in. These things are healing me. These things are talking to me. Um, so I'm just repeating what I'm hearing, you know. So mm. it's it's special like that. Super special. Well, if we if we uh, journey back to that that sixteen year old, because that's mm. how old you were when you recorded your first album. Is that mm. true? Yeah. Is that album out? Can we listen to it? <laughs> no. <laughs> I don't know if I want you to, <laughs> to listen to it. Um, I know my dad has it. My dad has a few copies, but I don't. It's not like out publicly. I mean, it was like you know, it was originally. Um, it was a gift from my dad, and we printed, you know, a few hundred copies as as a thing to give to, like, our friends, you know, our friends and our family. It, was, it wasn't meant to be, like, a thing to, like, get me out into the world, you know. Um, I remember it was called Elements of Peace. <laughs> That's so beautiful. And I have this I love photo that. on the cover that my mom <laughs> took, I think, of me out by our swimming pool. <laughs> <laughs> but it was it was oh definitely the it was definitely the beginning, you know, and and the way it kind of it went from there is, you know, I gave one, I sent one to my dad's best friend who lived in LA, and he was so he was so close to our family that I called him uncle. I called him Uncle Brad, right? So I looked on him as my family. And he was in LA and he was an actor and he was kind of in the scene and 
um, and I was I was going out to California that summer to um, go to the surf camp in 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 Southern California called Endless Summer Surf Camp. And when I went out there, he said to me, he said, "Oh, you should you should play a show in L.A." And I said, "No way! I'm not playing a show in L.A. Like, forget it." Like I, I didn't, re- I hadn't really played a show ever, you know. So, I that seemed so intimidating and all this stuff, and I didn't want to, you know. I wanted to surf. <laughs> I wanted to be a kid and <laughs> surf and like have fun, you know. And he said, "No, no, you should play a show. You should play a show." And um, he somehow convinced me to do this show, and I played at this small Chinese restaurant in what? L.A. It's called Genghis Cohen. It's still there. And they have this like little like room, like maybe you can't, you can only fit like some twenty, thirty people in the room. And I, I went and I played a show. <laughs> but that's that's, so, that's kind of how it started, do. though, because he invited so many of his people that were kind of in the industry, and that's where I met my first manager, and it kind of started something, and then. I flew back to South Carolina and, you know, I talked to my parents and they thought, you know, hey, maybe you should try to follow up with this, you know. And I had a fun. I had a good time. So I thought, okay, you know. But that's, <laughs> because that's it was fun. that album, that first, you know, 16-year-old album, Elements of Peace, is what kind of started the whole wheel, I guess. That's beautiful. But did you end up staying in LA because you went to? Um, mm. Didn't you? Did you study there as well, or was it just? Yeah, well, surfing? that's what. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you know your stuff. You're good. But that's, I know. That's, I've, I've that's done research. I'm very proud. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's how it started. I, I had, um, I had gone back to South Carolina, and we started looking at. Uh, art schools, boarding schools. I was only a freshman in high school or something like this. And we visited um, this school near L.A. called Idlewild School of the Arts. It's a beautiful, beautiful school, a couple hours outside of L.A., uh, this international arts boarding school. There's not many international arts boarding schools in in the country. And because that one was closest to L.A., we thought when I'm not at school, I can go to L.A. and work on my music, all this stuff. Um, that's what we chose. So I went. I ended up going out there in 10th grade, 10th, 11th, 12th grade, and I lived out there. And then in the summers and holidays, I would go to L.A. and kind of work on my music. And I studied classical guitar at the school, and it was that was like the start of like kind of my formal training, um, and that's kind of how it how it began. And then my senior year of high school, that's when I signed my first record deal with Geffen. Because I, I read this somewhere, I can't, I can't remember where, but it really uh, it it struck a chord with me because my my brother when he was he wasn't a freshman he was let me think I think he must have been eighteen mm. he uh, left Sweden where where we're from to move to LA to study classical guitar there gotcha. as like a young young uh, just a kid really uh-huh. and then he's still there still still living breathing music there but I know how much dedication goes into. Um, yeah. classical t- guitar it's absolutely like the hours a day that he would spend yeah. just practicing blows my mind yeah 
Yeah, I mean it. It was it was really in, it was intense because I didn't I didn't know how to read music. You know, I was just self taught kind of. I you know um, up until that point, but I, I didn't know how to read music. I didn't know you know anything technique or music theory or anything. But I had the most amazing amazing guitar teacher, um, who's was is like a brother to me. His name's Michael Kuturka, and he. He just was so just amazing, and I think that's what made it um, so enjoyable. And I became very passionate about learning, and it really affected my songwriting and helped open a lot of doors, you know, in my mind. So it was a special time, real special time. You are listening to From the Heart, Conversations with Yoga Girl. I love baking, especially in the fall and winter seasons. Being able to use ingredients that my body appreciates makes my cinnamon buns so much sweeter. That is why I use Bob's Red Mill. Every product from Bob's Red Mill is minimally processed at their stone mill in Oregon, and it's the highest quality. Their foods are packed with flavor, so you get nutritious food that tastes amazing. Go to bobsredmill.com today and browse their huge selection of premium whole grain goodness so you can taste it in every bite. Use the code YOGAGIRL and receive 25% off of all products. Bob's Red Mill makes it possible to nourish myself and my family every single day. And in turn, I support an employee-owned company that has been offering organic, gluten-free, and stone ground products for decades. For anyone with gluten allergy or celiac disease, all Bob's Red Mill gluten-free products are processed in 100% gluten-free facilities to ensure no cross-contamination. You can feel safe and confident with Bob's Red Mill. Remember, Bob's Red Mill is offering a fantastic offer for all From the Heart listeners right now. Use promo code YOGAGIRL at bobsredmill.com for 25% off of all products. Stock up on gluten-free, paleo, and vegan products from oats to flowers and even meals for a healthy family and happy hearts. Visit bobsredmill.com for 25% off your entire purchase with the code YOGAGIRL today. The world is changing now more than ever. We all need more than one source of income, but not everyone wants to quit their jobs and become a startup founder. That's what Side Hustle School is all about. It's a short daily podcast, seven days a week, that tells stories of ordinary people making extra money without quitting their jobs. The host, Chris Gillabo, also has an intriguing new book out there this month called The Money Tree. It's an engaging story of how you have the power to create your own financial destiny, something that's especially important in this time of uncertainty. Get your copy of The Money Tree today from any bookstore or online retailer. Learn more at moneytreebook.com and listen to Side Hustle School wherever you get your podcasts. I always thought that either you have... I mean, you have a musical gift and you can learn to play an instrument or you don't. And I would definitely mm. be on the not the don't side of, of the spectrum. Mm. But according to my brother, it's definitely something you can have a gift, but you can spend, you know, hours and hours and hours really learning mm. um, the history behind what you're doing and the philosophy and also practicing the technique, which is something that he, yeah, my brother spent seven to 10 hours a day doing for the past, I think, decade or, or more. Yeah. So it's really living and breathing this this art it becomes bigger than at least it is for him and it sounds like it is for you bigger than the music it's just absolutely um, absolutely part of it's like it's like yoga in a way you know how you yoga is not just the hour or two that you spend on the mat every day but it's something that with time and practice you take off the mat and you take into everything that you absolutely do. yeah it becomes one with you hmm. and what about your first taste of i guess commercial success when did when did that happen 
My first taste of commercial success, I would, um, I think I would have to say when we when we signed the deal, you know, um, because you know the whole time I was at this boarding school, anything that had to do with the arts was an excused absence. You know, they they supported it. It was much different than my prep school, you know. So anything that had to do with my career or my music or anything, they 100% supported and they, you know, so the whole time I was at school, you know, I was flying to meet this, you know, president of this record label in New York and then I'd fly, go to L.A. And, you know, I was just a kid. I was just having a fun, you know. I was like, <laughs> oh, this is cool, you know, whatever. Um, but then my senior year it kind of got serious between Geffen and Columbia Records and we were kind of going back and forth and it was like oh my god like this is happening you know we're gonna do this thing you know and I signed the deal like towards the end of my senior year um and so when I graduated high school I moved to LA and it was very you know, it was a lot of bright lights and, you know, exciting because I, you know, they kind of lay out this thing for you and, you know, you get all this money and you're just like, whoa, this is like crazy and I'm 18 and I have, you know, my own apartment and I'm in LA and this is, whoa, and I'm going to record this album, you know, it's just so exciting, you know, and, but it was quick, that, that joy, <laughs> that excitement yeah. was very brief. Because, um, like I said, I was 18 years old, living in a city that I didn't know anybody. And, yeah, I had all this money, but I was too young to have that much money. And I was just burning through it. And before Doing I Doing what? It, were you partying? Were you out? Were you... No, I couldn't, I, I couldn't go anywhere. I was yeah, you, Oh, yeah, old. you were I 18. Couldn't, I couldn't get into any bars to meet people. <laughs> so right? what did you do? Where did the money go? I just smoked a lot of weed and watched TV and was lonely. I was super uh-huh. lonely. And I sp- and I had this huge apartment like right on the beach, which was stupid. Like I never lived by myself, you know, so I had no idea what I was doing in this apartment. But it was all it was all a mirage, you know. I learned quickly that this is all just a mirage. And this is not going to make me happy. And it was a beautiful lesson. It was an amazing lesson, you know. But I had to go through that to just figure things out, you know, for myself. And I had to grow up really quick, you know. And um, eventually I ran out of money and I had to move out of this apartment, this big apartment. And I got dropped from the record label, like all three of years that later. At, at the same time, uh-huh. yeah. All Did of you this still happened. have? I a... didn't have any. I didn't release any record on the label. I I recorded two records for them, and they both got shelved. Right, so I couldn't release them. I couldn't re-record the songs. Nothing. And so, what was that music like? Was that music? Was that deeply? heartfelt for you was it did you pour your soul into something and then it wasn't released or was it yeah absolutely it was it was all my music i poured my heart into so Mm. it it was 
it, the most frustrating thing, I think, of the whole thing was, you know, you know, I grew up in a small town, and you hear these, the, you know, you hear these like horror stories of like the man of the record industry, and you know, and then you're like, oh, that that can't be that true, you know. And then you go out there, and then it happens to you. <laughs> it's <laughs> you know? real. So it was. It was the worst part about it was having somebody else control my music getting to people. That's what I hated. I didn't care about the money. I didn't care about any of this. It was all these people that wanted to hear music from me, and I had the music. It is there, but because of some guy who doesn't even know my last name or whatever sitting up in an office doesn't like it it's not going to make it's not going to go to anybody that was the part that really crushed me so when i actually did get dropped from the label 3 years later you know being on this label um i was ecstatic i was so Excited. happy i said well now i can do whatever mm -hmm. i want now i can release now I can, you know, let people hear this music. But that whole period was kind of a, it was kind of a tough time for me. It was, it was uh, just really lonely and confused and just kind of just drifting, you know. Mm -hmm. I didn't know, I didn't know what I was doing. I so. feel like the universe tends to, tends to do that for people with a really specific passion and purpose. You know, it's, you're going to have that big, moment where you have to decide what's going to define me and, and, right. and how I continue to bring this purpose into the world. Is it going to be this path or that path? So it's kind right. of having that so early is, 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 is must have been a big blessing in the end. Yeah, I mean, I went through it early and I just knew after that, I was like, I never want to do this again. I never see myself on a major label or I never want to have somebody else control how my music or when my music like this is released to people. I didn't want that anymore. So it was good in that sense to teach me quick and also to make me grow up quick, you know, being so young in the city and stuff, I definitely had to learn quickly. So it, it was a blessing in that regard. Hmm. And then what was the next step after that? Did you still have, you had a yoga practice and meditation practice at that time? I had a little bit of a practice, but like I said, I was young and I was smoking a lot of weed and was just kind of being a kid, you know, a little bit still. And but I, 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 I definitely had a deeper hunger, you know. I always have a deeper hunger, you know. And the next thing that happened, really, well, well, during this time, during this kind of lonely, super lonely time, right, living in L.A. Um, I had a teacher um, from my school, from Idlewild, from my boarding school, who while I was living at the boarding school, um, he, he, was a, he was a yogi. And he would teach me meditation. And he, I really looked up to him. He was like my role model. And he was a devotee of the Divine Mother. And he came down one summer, I remember, And he's, oh no, sorry, forgive me. While we were at school, uh, my senior year, he said, one weekend he said, I, I'm going down to this temple, right, uh, in Southern California, 
and I go down there for the weekend sometimes to meditate and sit. Um, and if you want to come with me this weekend, you can come. So I said, yeah, that's amazing. I was starting to kind of get interested in in this, you know, philosophy and stuff. And I went down with him to this temple, this Kali temple, and I was super, super um, moved by this place, right? So that kind of was, that kind of left an impression on me after we left, and then I graduated, but I was still thinking of this place. So anyway, I'm in this, it's summertime, I'm living in L.A., like I said, in this kind of drifty period, and he calls me, and he says, I'm going down to the Kali Temple, there's a big puja, a big ceremony, mm-hmm. and these priests from India are coming, are flying in, and you should come. And I said, no, I can't come. I have things to do, you know. And he said, what do you mm-hmm. have to do? And I said, I have a yoga class that day, something like that. He said something <laughs> stupid. And he said, he said, this is real yoga, he told me. He said, this is real yoga. You should come. So I said, oh, okay. Okay, it's the whole weekend, whatever. I'll go down. And I went down to this festival, this Kali festival, and it just blew me off the map. My heart exploded. I felt like I had, I, I can't even explain the the feelings, the, the feelings of familiarity, of love, of community, of like, it just totally blew me away, blew me away. Mm. And I came back to L.A., more lonely, you know, because I had just experienced this whole community of, of people, right? So after that, I began to drive down to uh, Laguna. This is where the temple was. I, I would drive down to Laguna um, like as much as I could to see Ma, to see the temple, and to be with all the monks and the devotees. And I began to... Uh, kind of become like it became it became like family very quickly you know and i became fascinated with uh the divine mother and i became fascinated with india and it all just started to 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 flow and when i uh lost all that money when i um blew through all that cash i ended up moving down there to laguna to be near the temple, and in the, and then I got really, really broke. Then I like literally had like a few hundred dollars to my name, and I told them at the temple that I'm in a bit of a situation, you know. <laughs> and they said, um, "Well, you're here every day, right? Why don't you just stay here at the temple in the ashram, and until you get back on your feet?" right? And there's no pressure. You can stay two days, you can stay two weeks, you can stay however long you want. But, you know, we're here for you. And until you get back on your feet, just stay here. So I thought, okay. Right? So I moved into the temple, and I didn't leave for seven years. (laughs) Seven years? Yeah, something like that. Seven or eight years or something. Um so what that was, was what was a regular day in That was also a in, hidden in, hidden blessing but that's when that was a kind of long answer sorry but um, no it's my, it's beautiful the music everything started to change drastically 
it really started to take on this the, the music was the, the the tool to like journey inside you know and explore my spiritual you know life and um to talk to that inner space and to communicate with something that was beyond me it just it just took a huge huge turn you know um a lot of it became a you know devotional and talking about ma 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 so it 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 was different it, that was what really that that was a big catalyst thing that happened there and were you able to kind of in daily life in in the temple were you able to also take up space in that practice with your music so what, did that become a regular part of of the day kind of you or was it more of a of a personal individual exploration of your music like i'm envisioning you there um kind of holding space for other people maybe for the first time with with your music i think that it just you know they were so they knew i was a musician when i obviously moved in and or even before that you know they supported me they still support me 100% and they knew that i wasn't a monk right they didn't ever put any pressure on me to become a monk or anything but they knew i had this strong spiritual inclination but they they didn't force me for to anything they rather they constantly supported the music and the expression and and um so while i was there you know i would participate in obviously prayers and ceremony and stuff um but then you know i would stay up till three in the morning in my room you know recording music you know and um they the next day i would come into the temple and i'd say i recorded a new song and they say oh let's play it let's play it and we put it on the speakers <laughs> and we'd let ma hear it and um it became like a a rhythm you know um so it was it was just like the music and the temple life it, it there it was no there was no different it was no different because music was my puja Mu music is my ceremony and they they encouraged that anything you know like that so it became just one thing you know which was really beautiful and special and um yeah it's magical And did any of that music end up uh, released on an album? Oh, Ever? absolutely. I mean, so Lots many of it. Ah. so many songs I wrote in my little, you know, cabin there in the garden, you know, mostly everything. And there's still, you know, so much music that I've written in there that hasn't been released yet, you know. So, um, so many albums and so many ideas and songs were born from that place and and continue to be born from that place because that place is always with me so it's it's just a beautiful i guess journey in that regard yeah i i love this yeah the connection of creativity with with making space for yourself in that way so with mm. whether it's through yeah through puja through ceremony or um like jack johnson and surfing or mm -hmm. whether it's through yoga like we all have our own way to tap into that creativity you are listening to from the heart conversations with yoga girl i love a delicious glass of wine it's one of my favorite ways to wind down from the day or kick off the night that perfect yummy glass enhances the moment 
Wink understands this. It's why they started their own company to give you access to exceptional wines from all around the world so you can have more of those delicious moments. How do you select your wine normally? Do you always buy the same bottle or blindly grab whatever has an interesting label? I have to admit, I have my few go-to bottles, but Wink has opened me up to new wines that I absolutely love. There are over 10,000 varieties of wine grapes grown around the world. Why limit yourself? Wink will send you varieties that you never knew even existed or ones that you didn't even know that you loved with labels beautifully designed by local artists. Each bottle truly is a unique work of art, both inside and out. Wink works with your taste preferences. Wink will even introduce you to new, rare, and custom wines that are not available anywhere else and tell you the story behind each one. Just go to trywink.com, take a brief palette profile quiz, and Wink will recommend distinct and interesting wines that are customized to your palate, shipping them directly to your door every month. All of Wink's bottles start as low as $13, bottles that would retail at $20 or more. You can get high quality wine for nearly half the price with Wink since they work directly with the winemakers and have taken out the middlemen. There are no membership fees. You can skip a month or cancel at any time. And Wink has a 100% satisfaction guarantee, so you never pay for a bottle that you don't like. Right now, Wink is offering listeners $20 off of your first order when you go to trywink.com slash yoga girl. That's trywink.com spelled T-R-Y-W-I-N-C dot com slash yoga girl to get $20 off of your first order right now. Trywink.com slash yoga girl. I know there's a lot of, a lot of people listening. I know and a lot of people out there that are constantly struggling to find that place. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe feeling lost or feeling like, um, if I don't have mm. a very clear purpose in my life, mm. uh, I don't feel purposeful. Mm-hmm. You know, do you have any advice for a, for a person maybe in that space that hasn't connected to that place of source yet of how to mm. to find that for themselves because it's such an, a vital piece um, mm. I think on our own journey yeah I think it's a huge vital piece I mean it's funny because even even with all those things those blessings in my life I'm still trying I'm still every day trying to connect you know trying to go deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper. Um, But I think that the most important thing in one's, you know, or life or journey or one of the most important things is, uh, or two things, I guess, is sincerity and longing. I feel that these together are the two like main ingredients that you put into your heart and you lay it down at the feet of that supreme, you know, being that's within all of us, that's within everything. And if you're sincere, you know, in your journey and and you're longing for that connection, that place within, then that uh that being or thing or whatever you want to call it is going to reveal itself to you in some way right it's it's that being is the mother of all of us in my you know in my view that's my attitude is the mother right she's the mother of everything so she's always going to provide for you you have no fear right the problem is when we i think we forget that we forget that we that there is that being, or we forget who we really are. We f- we forget what's really inside of us. We take ourselves to be just oh, my name's Trevor, and I'm from South Carolina, and I'm a musician. 
It's like, no, no. What are you beyond that? You know, what is beyond, What? who is the one beyond, behind all your thoughts and behind all your feelings? Who are you really? You know, who are you really? Who am I? Who am I? Who am I? Going deep, 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 deep. We forget who we are. We forget, we forget what's within us. And I think that is the, this whole, at least for me, this whole journey is just me trying to remember who I am. Mm -hmm. And the music, the music is what helps, helps me find my way back to that place uh, beyond all this, I guess, you know, ever changing duality, you know, this type of thing. Um, But if I was saying, if I was going to, you know, give somebody some advice. I mean, I don't know if I can give any advice, you know, I'm still so young and stupid. <laughs> but I think that a, the really important thing is longing and sincerity and really, you know, asking deep, deep from your inner, inner heart, you put that forth, then that that answer must come to you. And that guidance must come to you. You just have to really, really, you know, call from your heart and keep your eyes open. Um, and that's what is going to help, you know, help you find your way, right? The heart yeah. is the most important thing. The heart is the the most important thing. And so we have to act from that space, that inner space, that's within everything, within all of us. That is what's going to guide us. And it, it may not manifest, you know, it may not manifest as something externally, you know. Uh, it may manifest as an inner call, you know, an inner answer, um, an inner remembrance, yeah, something like that. Yeah, it's not like always what we, what we think it's going to turn out to be. Mm. But this resonates with me on such a deep, 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 level so mm. i have a i have some really amazing teachers within a movement called path of love mm. that originates from the osho uh, mm. culture and uh, within path of love the idea of the the process of path of love there's three pillars or three cornerstones to that and it's uh, exposure is the first one which has everything to do with um, seeking out your own wounds or your mm. own darkness and healing mm. what needs to be healed and, and, and moving into exposing, shedding light mm. onto the dark. Mm. And the second one is longing. Mm. Really, that, that longing to really, yeah, to step in and manifest what you're here to do. Mm. That big, big longing that, that's bigger than everything. And the third pillar is prayer. Mm. And connecting mm. these three to really put us on the path of love or on the path of, of creation. Mm. And it's it's so beautiful to hear you say that. That longing for me was a, was a big piece, at least in my own spiritual practice, realizing that I, I spent my whole life really with this longing to, to heal. Mm. Wow. And that's that's a big part. <laughs> of a my huge own journey, part. At least. Huge part. Huge part. Yeah. And I love how. I think that's why also I feel so connected with you because in, in the classes that I teach, and it's it's you know, bigger and more vast than, than the idea or the Western idea of, of yoga or, or meditation. But mm. music is such a huge component to, yeah. to that when it mm. comes to helping people unlock and go a level deeper and mm-hmm. shed some layers. It's just, um, 
yeah, I find myself in every every class that I teach, I'm always DJing and, and picking after after the vibration in the room and what fits here and what, yeah, what can open yeah. or, or move deeper here. Mm. Music is uh, it's 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 such a healing yeah, it's an instrument of healing in a really in the every sense of the word. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm. So from there, how, because I mean, eventually we, the world got to hear your music, right? And we are blessed with your music now. Um, you, you were able to find a nice middle ground. Am mm. I right? Between that commercial, super, you know, big record label success and mm. maybe a re recording at the ashram. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I had found a middle ground. I, I was definitely struggling i think um because i was i you know you 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 still at that time even you know i still had people telling me what type of songs i needed to write you know and hey you gotta write a song that's gonna get on the radio and you gotta write something that's relatable and you know all these things these just stupid things that driving me crazy you know it it was um and all i wanted to do was kind of you know go deep and um you know use the music as a tool for healing and um wasn't really wasn't really concerned with what was on the radio and if my music was on the radio but you know you still have these influences of all these people telling you these things and um so it was a little bit of a struggle not a little i mean it was still i was still struggling to i guess find my voice i guess you know um and i ended up signing another contract uh, with a smaller label in like a, a nice indie label called Vanguard and um I had recorded a couple albums on there, and that was really, really beautiful to actually, you know, get music out there. And that's when I started to, I felt like I was starting, you know, my career, which was really nice, you know, because finally I've, people have some of my music, and I can play shows, and people can know some of the songs, and, um, but still, you know, it was I was still so young and I was still trying to find my style and my voice and trying to, like you said, keep the balance, I guess, of having these really like spiritual, I guess, songs, you know, and having people trying to tell me you need to write something else or making them relatable. It was still kind of like very weird, you know. Um, well, yeah, it's not easy. I yeah. mean, <laughs> those two voices, it's, 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 I think every day that's hard to, to balance. Yeah, yeah, it's an everyday thing. Yeah. So yeah. it was. Like, do I go for where success is or where money is or do mm. I stay true to who I am? Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, that we just, even have to make that distinction. I think it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's really hard. Yeah. So, yeah, that was happening and, um, And then I, I recorded an album called Everything, Every Time, Everywhere. It was my second album on the Vanguard thing. And then I was getting burnt out. 
I was starting to get really burnt out. I was, I you know, I had been touring since I was like 16. You know, I was always on the road, and it was starting to catch up with me. And not that I was doing anything crazy on the road. I wasn't a partier or anything like that. It was just a lot of travel and a lot of performing, a lot of late nights and not, you know, good food. And it was just all starting to catch up with me. And it became, it started to not be fun anymore. It started to become work and like, it started to become just, just kind of, like routine or I don't know. It was just something was not clicking. And for Did the you first ever long t- to just be in one place. Oh my God. Are you kidding me? <laughs> I long <laughs> to be in one place right now. I don't know. Some people, some people are just like that. Like they love to flutter all the time. I don't know. Yeah. Well, I like, I like to move. I like the traveling. I like all that stuff, but I also, you know, I'm kind of an introvert. I like to, um, just kind of unplug and and um, just kind of cleanse, I guess my my field, I guess. And when you're on tour, it's just constant people, constant moving, constant just no space to kind of um, I don't know. It's just it's just. Interest. It can, it, if you're not, if you're not, uh, you know, taking the necessary steps, I think to make sure you're centered, it can just sneak up on you, and just, it was just getting to me at that point, and I had been doing it for so long, like just, just on the road, just in the you know car for hours every day. It was just a lot, and my health started to kind of break down. And I was young, you know, but I was still, it was just starting. I just didn't have the energy anymore. And and like I said, I just, it, I mentally wasn't there. And for the first time ever, I said, I, I, I need to stop. I need to take a break. And I didn't really know how long that break was going to be. You know, I honestly didn't even know if I was going to, like, come back and play like I was really in a At all. low, low wow. spot low 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 spot I just wanted to stop I just wanted to go somewhere and kind of just be by myself and hide and just like sleep for like a year you know <laughs> and eat my own food I just was I was just really burnt out really burnt out um, and it was right at that time, right before I made that decision, that I met my wife. And, wow. you know, I had been alone for, I don't know, I had been alone. My last girlfriend was high school, you know, and then I was living in the ashram. So I was, I was, I hadn't had a girlfriend for like, you know, I don't know, like seven, eight years. You know, <laughs> so I was rusty. <laughs> and then I Very met, rusty. I met, um, I met my wife and right away, just right from the beginning, I just, I felt this nourishment, you know, I felt this um, gentle hand, you know, a, a part, a teammate you know, a partner. I didn't have that before because I was just kind of like a lone soldier, you know, on the road. And um, it was just difficult. 
and I just found this kind of beautiful angel to stand beside me and we could just support each other, you know, in, in our What a journey. different life. I'm sorry? <laughs> just to, what a different experience of life. Different, totally different. I never even thought mm. ever I would get married or anything like that. I just thought it wasn't possible with my lifestyle and like this. Um, and then I met her, and then we got we. I I took the decision to you know take time off, and I literally just stopped. I literally was like, I'm stopping. And my wife and I we got married at that at that time. And her her uh, her parents had a place up in Vermont, up in the up in the woods, and we decided we need to just unplug and we need to go spend some time there. So we just went there, and I didn't pick up my guitar at all, and I just slept and read books and ate home-cooked meals um. and watched movies and just kind of really just didn't do anything. And it was so beautiful. I mean, we would just go on long walks in the forest and just be just be quiet, you know, just be quiet. And it started to really heal me. And eventually, you know, I picked up my guitar and I wrote a song you know, whatever. And I recorded the song, but I never thought, oh, I'm, I'm writing a new album. Nothing like that. It was just, I'm, I'm really making these songs for my own healing, or these songs are coming to me for my own healing, you know? So I would make a song, then some time would pass, and then another song would come, and I'd record that song, and it would happen like this. And after like a year, I had like you know these 12 13 songs and i thought there was oh, an man. album <laughs> i thought there i have i said i can't keep this to myself All right mm -hmm. this is this helped me heal maybe it'll do the same for somebody else i have to i have to release this and that was chapter of the forest and ironically that album when it came out like i i recorded all that you know, at, uh, with, by myself. Um, and then we took it to a studio and touched it up and made it presentable, you know, for the album. But I, none of those songs were in the least way, you know, for um, the public, I guess, or for, like, the radio or for nothing. I had no pressure. Nobody was telling me what to do. I just no commercial purpose. The, nothing. I, those know. songs just came straight from Ma, straight to my heart, helped me heal, and that was that. And then I released, so when I released the album, I was a little bit nervous. I thought, oh gosh, I hope this isn't too like slow for people or what or anything. And ironically, that is, that's one of my most popular albums. Everybody that I yeah. talk to, all my fans and family, everything, they all say, oh, Chapter of the Forest, Chapter of the Forest. Yeah, I, this is my favorite album of yours by far. Yeah. I know it just because of how many of these songs that I play in class. Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's how I know that this is a favorite. Yeah. It's absolutely beautiful. Yeah, it's mine too. It's my favorite too. So that's what 
that was a huge lesson for me because I felt like I was just really coming from a super pure space and my heart was open and I wasn't really concerned with any type of commercialism or anything. I was just trying to come as honest as I could. And um, it was a really beautiful experience, super beautiful experience. And then I really, you know, I felt a lot better. My health had started to improve a little bit. And we kind of continued, and Kala came, you know, a year after that. And um, that is where I was at. I, I forget your question. I hope I just didn't keep <laughs> No, I, I think we, like we went, we, we, no, it's good. <laughs> this is, this is, this is beautiful. Um, a, a question relating to that album. So one of my favorite mm. songs of the chapter of the forest is uh, Oh Haleakala. Mm-hmm. What's the... What's the the kind of origin of that song? Mm. So that song I wrote, we when my wife and I got married, we took we went on our honeymoon to Maui, um, and she has a lot of fam family there that's been there for like thirty forty years. So we decided to go there and kind of have a special you know time there for our honeymoon and. When we um, were trying to figure out where to stay, we asked one of her family members, hey, where should we stay? And they recommended this place that was right below Haleakala. And Haleakala is the, is the crater that is on Maui, the volcano on Maui. And Kala Hale? means sun. So it's house of the sun. Right? Oh, I didn't and, know that. And I, when we were there, I immediately felt like this just, this conversation you know with this with this uh land you know with this volcano and i just felt like super grandmother super super grandmother vibes and while we were on our honeymoon um i was we were staying in our little place and i picked up the guitar and that song just came out in like five minutes you know mm -hmm. sometimes songs take like an hour sometimes songs take a year to write but the song just popped out and it was just this beautiful kind of conversation uh with Haleakala with her and and um and it kind of speaks about a little bit about our time there and what we were thinking about and um so it's very much spoken from that land and that place. Yeah, it's a, it's a beautiful, beautiful song. Me and my uh, husband, we got engaged on top of Haleakala. So I no, have you really... didn't, really? Yes, we did. We oh did. my God, that's a good place. Kudos to him. Yeah, kudos to him. Holy shit. <laughs> oh my God, that's like, you know, we moved, we lived, we lived there for a winter after Chapter of the Forest, right before Kala, we lived there. And, and whenever, man, whenever I was just feeling anything or, even if I wasn't feeling anything at all, you go up to Haleakala, you go up to the top, and she just, she just clears it. Just I have never seen, spot. yeah, it's 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 absolutely incredible. I've never seen sunsets like that in my life anywhere mm. on on Earth. Never, mm. never. No, it has such a such a special place in my heart. So I always, yeah, super super connected there. Oh, that's incredible. so cool. That's so cool. So I know now you have um, 
a whole new journey ahead, right? When it comes mm -hmm. to albums and making music and uh, with the fruitful darkness. Mm -hmm. Do you want to share a little bit about that? How did that come? So from Vanguard and, and, and making music in that way, this is your first independent release. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so the fruitful darkness, yeah, it's my first independent release. And um, it is born out of kind of a tough toughness, like tough period. Um, I, the last couple years, last two, two and a half years, um, I really went through it physically and, and emotionally. Um, I really had some serious problems with my health in the beginning, you know, about two years ago. Um, we were, like I said, we were living on Maui and, um, Right before we left, I got really sick with a staph infection, which made me, I had to cut my dreadlocks. I used to have long dreadlocks. I had to cut my dreadlocks. And, and how did that come about? How do you, I, I don't know much about staph infections. I was, I, I was, we were on Maui and it was our last day, I remember. And we were about to fly back to the mainland then to fly to uh, Australia for a big festival and all this stuff. And I got a staph infection, and the staph infection kind of, uh, it wasn't being cured by, like, the medicine I was taking, um, so the antibiotics, like, weren't working, and so I had to be hospitalized, and they had to put me on, like, this serious, serious, like, medicine through an IV, and I was in the hospital for, like, eight days, and we had to cancel all these plans to go to Australia and it was just like really low time and then the staff started to spread to the back of my head and they couldn't get to the staff through my dreadlocks so they said you have to shave your head so wow. I had to shave my head and I just it was just I was so sick I was so sick and I had no energy to do anything And I was just uh, stripped of my energy, but then I was also stripped of my identity. You know, hair is hair, it's whatever, but, you know, I had taken a vow not to cut my hair for a certain period of time, and and it became, you know, like my identity, the the locks. And I had to cut them, and I, I just felt like I wasn't myself at all. And things that I kind of based my life on, you know, these ideas and... Uh, things that I based my beliefs and life on, they all seemed so far away. And I seemed like I had no connection with them at all. And it was just really dark time, just dark, 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 dark time. Um, but at that time, I, um, I was introduced to an astrologer named Deborah Silverman. She's a famous astrologer. And... I, a friend of mine had gifted a session with her. They wrote me and said, hey, we want to gift you a session with this astrologer. She's amazing, all this stuff. And when I read the email, I thought, oh, my God, I really don't want to do this, you know, because <laughs> I'm a spiritual guy, but I don't really like any, like, hocus-pocus type stuff. You know, like, I want, like, the real, you know, thing. Uh -huh. And my perception of astrology was kind of like, oh, God, you know, it's like, whatever. You know, but my friends had gifted me this thing, and I didn't want to say no. I didn't want to be rude. So I said, okay, yeah, I'll do it, you know. 
And um, I remember I was on tour, and I was sick, you know, not feeling good. And we were in Orlando, I remember. And I called her from my hotel room, because she does it over the phone. And I called her from my hotel room, and she just blew my mind. Just blew my mind. She told me everything about my health. She told me when I got sick. She told me, you know, why that was according to the planets and and what that meant and what the universe was trying to tell me and slow down and, you know, all these. It just totally blew my mind. Like, I learned so much about myself in that hour, you know, and, and learned so many tools about how to work with myself, you know. And that hour, it just blew my mind. And I remember I got off the phone. I called my wife. I said, babe, you got to call this woman. I'm telling you, you got to <laughs> call this woman. So she called her. and She had the same experience. And it was just crazy. It was just so crazy. Oh, was it a reading of your, like your entire chart? Or? Yeah, the reading of my chart, right? And she told me, and I called her. Uh, she said, you know, this is so interesting. You're calling me at this time. You're, you're entering your Saturn return. That's what she said. Uh-huh. And I had no idea what that meant. I said, what's Saturn return? And Saturn return, it hap- everybody goes through your Saturn return. If from the main one, like 28 to like 30, around that time. And it can be a really tough time. It can be a really tough time. But it's, it's, Saturn is the planet of life lessons. So it's, it's trying to teach you something, you know. And she said, it's very interesting. You're calling me this time. This is your Saturn return. She explained to me about my Saturn and all these things. And I became fascinated. I became fascinated with astrology. I became fascinated with that connection of the stars relating to our personalities. And it it was just very interesting. And I learned, like I said, I learned so many things about my journey so quickly, you know. So I I went, I entered this period this Saturn return, and it was awful. It was so hard. It was awful. I, it was I know, so yeah. hard. I mean, <laughs> I just, I felt completely in the dark. Is the best way I can describe it. I just felt like I was in the dark. Things that, like I said, things that I really kind of staked my identity on. I just felt no connection. And I just felt stripped. I felt really stripped, naked, and in the dark and um but wasn't it nice though to be able to connect because i had that same experience where yeah. i kind of thought astrology is something that you know yeah a little mumbo jumbo type, type thing right, but i had right. someone read my chart for the first time and it was just unbelievable how much sense it made from like big yeah, yeah traumas and like could pinpoint Absolutely. exact ages of my life and things that happened and also mm. kind of why and what it related to. Uh-huh. So for me, whenever I had a really challenging something and I could connect it, okay, like this is not forever. That was right, something right. that was nice for me. Like Saturn return, like it's not, <laughs> right, it's not right. everlasting. Right? Yeah, I know. We take those things to be... It's going to last <laughs> forever. I always think, have you ever seen that YouTube clip of a, a little kid who like he got his like wisdom teeth pulled out or something and his dad like YouTubes him after yeah, the, he's like video on tapes him after the, and he's yeah, on like yeah. the, and he's like, is this going to last forever? forever? Yeah, that's, how, that's how I kind of feel over in those dark periods. You know? <laughs> so yeah, I was definitely like in that 
state of like, is this going to last forever, you know? <laughs> but I started to, so I started to study the astrology. I started to study astrology with this uh, astrologer, Deborah, and she became kind of a godmother to me and my wife. She just became this uh, just elder for us, an auntie, you know? And um, I really learned through my own chart and what, you know, my destiny and all these things of, of going into the dark and, um, and, and, uh, making friends with that place rather than trying to push it away and to not avoid it and to stare it right in its face and say, what's up, you know, and shining light on that and then bringing that back up into the light. Right. And, this is kind of like, um, they say, like the shaman's journey, right? The shamanic journey is these, the shamans, they go into, they go into the dark, they go inside, and they befriend their demons, and they befriend the poison within them. That's how they say. And this, by befriending them and not pushing them away and listening, these, this poison becomes nectar, and these demons become friends, you know? And it's a very interesting journey, you know. And I started writing all these songs about this journey of going within and 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 into the dark and into these places that are uncomfortable within and um, into the void and the you know these types of things and trying to make your way through, you know, and 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 traversing the space you know, and bringing it back. And that's what I started writing all these songs, all these songs, all these songs. And I knew that my al- my next album was going to be based off this journey, you know, of astrology and, and spirituality and going within. And I knew it was going to be so different because it was just a, a, a really intense period. But I still didn't know what I wanted to call it. I still didn't know how am I best to describe this journey you know, and uh, we were in a bookstore. My wife and I were in this bookstore, and we were just looking around, whatever. This was like a little later, and I look at this book. It's, it's called The Fruitful Darkness. I thought, man, that is a cool title. I'm going to buy this book. I didn't even really know what the book was about. I was like, I'm going to buy this book, you know, and I took it home. And I just kind of put it on the bookshelf with all the other books. I didn't pick it up right away. And my wife picked it up, and she read it first. And as she was reading it, she said, Oh, my God, love you have to read this book. This is like, this is the journey. You know, and I'm like, what? Like, really? She's like, yeah, this is the journey. And then she said, I can't believe that Roshi Joan, who's the author, wrote this book, and we got to meet her. And I said, wait a second, what? Like I didn't even look at the, I didn't even look at the author really. I didn't even put it all together. And about a couple years before that, while we were living on Maui, we went to Ramdas's house one one day, and he was having a conversation like a live, like webcast thing with this Zen nun named Roshi Joan Halifax. And we got to meet her and talk with her, and it was, like, really beautiful. And I put it together. I was like, oh, my God, she wrote she wrote this book? I didn't even know this. And you, you didn't know. know. I didn't know it. No, I didn't know it at all. I didn't put it together until my wife told me. So 
So my wife finished the book. She was like, this is one of my favorite books. You have to read it. I started it and I was like, oh my God, this is, this is my journey. Like this is like, or it's not, you know, my journey, but it's, this is describing like that journey of going in to that space, the fruitful darkness. This is it. Cause the book is all about all the shamans that she has met over the years from so many different cultures, from the Huichol in Mexico to, you know, Tibetan Jankris or Nepali Jankris and shaman. It was just an incredible, amazing book. And I thought, man, like, I have to call my album this, The Fruitful Darkness, you know, but it, she wrote it like, I don't know, like, I need to ask her permission, obviously, but uh. I don't know what she's going to say. So I got her email and I wrote her and I explained the whole thing and can I use the, the title? And it was so funny because she wrote me back like the most Zen, like Cohen <laughs> answer. You know, she's like, dear Trevor, you can you can use the title if you want, but in my opinion, I don't think you should use it because it will be confusing for people. But if you want to use it, you can use it, but I don't <laughs> think you should use it, but I'm leaving it up to you. So I was like, oh. okay, was that a yes or was that a no? Was that a yes or a no, yeah. So I ended up writing her back and said, I can't think of another title that this is what's really speaking to me and I'm gonna, I want to use it for the album. So that's how the we got the title and um, that's what explains this next chapter of our music and the next project, so... Have you been able to play any of the songs for her? Because I feel like that I would be interesting. I haven't yet. I definitely want to, um, you know, because we're releasing it so differently. You know, we, we started a Kickstarter because we're not on a label anymore. So we crowdfunded the project to pay for it. Um, and then we're releasing it differently. We're, we're releasing three songs, you know, every few, like two months. So we're trying to... That way we can have a year-long kind of conversation with fans and with the community rather than... Because some, some sometimes I really don't like how, you know, we just release an album, a full album, and, you know, there's 12 songs on the album, and, you know, it's it's for a month people are into it and then it's gone and then some songs get lost and the whole thing. This way we can take our time and we can really explain the stories behind each song and make make sure each song doesn't get lost and then it'll culminate in the full Fruitful Darkness album, you know, at the beginning of next summer. So I want to make sure that I have, like, all the songs together before showing them to her. Um, and I want to, like, you know, present it properly to her and not... I, I want to make sure she likes it. <laughs> yeah, you should. That'll be a special moment. For yeah, sure. yeah, for sure. Well, I know um, I, at, at the beginning or before we started recording, I, I told you I had a really geeky request <laughs> that mm. I was really hesitant to ask. And I debated, I was asking my husband, like, back and forth, should I ask or should I not? And ultimately, <laughs> I did. Because I kind of, I don't know why I think it's geeky. I think I'm fangirling over here. But before we, we say goodbye, would you want to maybe sing something for us? Yeah, I can sing something from the 
new album or something? Yeah. It's on the new album, yeah. Something that see. speaks I, to you in this moment. I think, uh, I saw, oh, hold on, I'm trying to think. So we were just talking so much about astrology that there's a song on the album called Sagittarius, right? Yeah. And um, because I'm a double Sag, so that energy I was learning so much about and learning how to walk in my fire as the um, as the uh, astrologer had advised me to. Uh, so there's a song kind of about that, and I can sing the first little verse and chorus, and then you can tell me if it's good or not. <laughs> oh, I don't want to be the judge of that. Come on. Yes, we're just... Um, so but it's, because it's talking about Saturn, it says, uh, um, break me out the pad and the rings of Saturn, get me out of my way, I surrender mission to gain another vision, get me out of my way. The stars, they be whispering, longing to be kindred. Get me out of my way. A true double seeker to find the inner teacher. Get me out of my way. I'm still learning how to walk in my fire. Live in my fire. Love in my fire. I'm still learning how to walk in my fire. Live in my fire. Love in my fire. Something like that. (laughs) Thank you. That was so 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 beautiful. Loving my fire. That's a big one. Yeah, yeah. Big lesson, blessing all around. Thank you, Trevor, for coming on the show for the most amazing, amazing. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Yeah, so everyone listening, I'm sure you're already now as you're listening on Spotify or whatever device or however you're listening, but go check Trevor's first part, part one of The Fruitful Darkness. It's out right now. Thank you, Trevor. Thank you. Lots of love. Lots of love. A huge thank you to my guest, Trevor Hall. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure to listen and subscribe to other great episodes of From the Heart Conversations with Yoga Girl. You can find all of these on rachelbraithen.com, on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or anywhere you normally get your podcasts. And don't forget to leave a review while you are there. Huge thanks to the folks at Cadence 13 for their production work. And of course, thank you to my sponsors, Kopari, Bob's Red Mill, and Wink. Please support them the way they support this podcast. I'll see you next week.